takes Dr. Seuss's whimsical world and turns it into a nightmare-inducing landscape. As we dive into this festive fright fest, let will dissect the performances, the gruesome deaths that fill the naughty list, and the eerie cinematography by Christopher Sheffield. Does the mean one capture the essence of holiday horror, or is it just another lump of coal in the Christmas movie stocking? We will discuss that. So dear listeners, grab your popcorn, hide the mistletoe, and join me, Boozer, as we embark on a journey through the twisted wonderland of the mean one. After the trailer, we'll dissect its bone-chilling moments and gear up for a deep dive into the snowy abyss of this holiday horror. Stay tuned and remember the only thing more chilling than no winter breeze is the fear that lurks in the shadows of the once jolly holiday. Let's take a brief break, listen to the trailer, and we'll be right back. Remember that story about Cindy you-know-who? When her Christmas was stolen, she knew what to do. Why, Santa Claus? Why? But what if I said that's not how it went down? Monster! You gonna be okay? Because we can turn around right now. No. That poor girl. Her mother was killed. Her mind snapped. Did you ever find the Christmas killer? Never got a reliable description of the man. Christmas killer thing. Not again. Us folks down in Newville, we liked Christmas a lot. But that thing that lives just north of Newville does not. What is it? The mean one. He's slippery. He's elusive. He's a mean one, that mister. I'm not going to be a victim anymore. Time to roast this beast. <laughs> You're a dead one, Mr. Welcome back, Pittisons, as we plunge into the eerie world of the mean one. And let me tell you, this holiday horror romp has a chilling charm that's impossible to ignore. Um, Now, before you dismiss it, just as another low-budget B-flick, let's unwrap talk a little bit about the plot and discover the twisted joy it brings. At its dark heart, the mean one offers a refreshing take on a familiar tale. The transformation of Dr. Seuss's whimsy into a nightmarish labyrinth is no easy feat, yet uh, the director accomplishes this with a gleeful malevolence, as you can tell from every scene in this film. The plot cleverly weaves together elements of horror, mystery, psychological drama, giving us more than just a slasher under the Christmas tree. The film's strengths lie in its ability to blur the lines between childhood innocence and adult terror. As Cindy, uh, played by uh, Crystal Martin, grapples with her traumatic past and the resurgence of the mean one's reign of terror, The narrative takes unexpected turns here and there. It's not just another surviving the night. It's about 
confronting the demons within and the relentless monster lurking in the snowy shadows. One of the film's triumphs is its commitment to that B-flick aesthetic that me personally, I've loved since I was a kid. I love low-budget horror movies. Anybody that knows me knows that I relish in them. Um, this film embraces its low-budget roots. The mean one turns constraints into creative opportunities. The practical effects are there, not, although they're not Hollywood blockbuster level, they deliver a frightful dose of nostalgia, reminiscent of classic horror flicks that we've all grown up watching. From the grisly deaths uh, to the mean one's monstrous transformation, the practical effects add a tangible, almost tactile layer to the frightful uh, festivities that happen. The plot cleverly employs suspense, building tension, like kind of like a snowball running downhill. Um, each revelation about the mean one's origins and the town's dark history adds another layer to that story, keeping us hooked into what is being unfolded in front of us and kind of on the edge of your seats, at least it did for me. Um, it's a delicate dance between horror and holiday cheer, much like the violent one, and the main one nails the rhythm right off the bat, offering jump scares and twisted humor in equal measure. And as mentioned in the intro, um, let's not forget the standout performances, particularly David Howard Thornton as the main one. Um, Thornton's portrayal elevates the character beyond a mere Christmas antagonist. He becomes a nightmarish force fueled by the twisted hate for the festive season. Um, the supporting cast, including Chase Mullins as the tournament officer Burke, John Bigham as Dr. Zeus, adds depth to the quote-unquote ensemble, uh, creating a tapestry of characters with their own dark secrets that, little by little, they do unfold. The snowy Newville setting captured through uh, Christopher Sheffield's cinematography enhances the film's chilling atmosphere, the juxtaposition of serene winter landscapes with horrifying events creates a surreal and engaging viewing experience for the audience. It's like a dark fairy tale set against the backdrop of a winter wonderland, if you will. As we delve deeper into this pit, let's shift our focus now to the macabre side of this holiday horror. Let's talk about the deaths in this film. The director takes on a takes literally takes us on a blood-soaked sleigh ride through a series of practical effects that pay homage to, to like I said, classic B-flick traditions, some might say C-flick, but to each their own. The deaths in this holiday extravaganza are a macabre ballet of practical effects choreographed with a nod to all the classic films that we classic slasher films that we like. Um, the mean one's creative killing spree unfolds with a visceral intensity that harks back to like I saw some Rick Baker in here. I saw some K uh, K and B style. John Carl Buchler. I saw uh, styles in there. But from the grisly demise of Cindy's parents to the festive carnage at the bar, each death is a twisted 
work of art. Uh, it's hard to put this into words. Um, the practical effects do take center stage, um, providing a tangible and nostalgic quality to the kills. Um, from the prosthetics used, uh, fake body parts, props, the practical blood effects adds a visceral impact um, that CG often struggles to achieve. The filmmaker embraces, like I said, that the low budget practical side turning, using the opportunities to for create creative gore. Well, like I said, the practical effects still the show in my opinion. Some embellishments with CG are present in this film. How, uh, however, unlike big budget blockbusters where CG some, can sometimes overpower the narrative, what we see here, it serves as a subtle enhancement. Um, CG elements are carefully woven into the practical effects, adding a touch of modernism without overshadowing the throwback charm. I will say on the big screen, the CG embellishments may not have, like I said, reached blockbuster levels of polish, but the, there was some charm in it. Um, the slight roughness adds to the film's beef liquor, creating an immersive experience reminiscent of horror classics. Uh, now watching at home, these imperfections become endearing and a testament of the film's commitment to its roots, as I said, because honestly, I saw this film twice on the big screen. And yeah, the CG additions were distracting on the big screen. But I will say, basically, the main one showcases kill sequences that pay, like I said, through practical effects, the blend of practical and CG elements, though. Are, like I said, you could blatantly see them. They were not flawless on the big screen. Um, it does find its groove in, in the home theater environment, creating a visceral and nostalgic viewing experience. Like, you could tell that there's CG there, but it's not as, pardon the expression, in your face um, as it was on the big screen. So please stay in the pit, Pittisons and we will unravel more layers of this holiday horror tale when we return from this very, very brief break. all candy canes and pretty lights i heard this story this fella dressed as santa he said about killing them that was naughty creep every year a new town everyone knows that story it's an urban legend it ain't christmas the number one holiday for people going nuts Listen, we've got a lead on our killer from the motel. He's wearing a Santa suit and a mask. Hiding in plain sight. <laughs> what if he was punishing them? <laughs> We're just gonna have to take this maniac down ourselves. 
Christmas Eve is the scariest damn night of the year. Now let's delve deeper into the compelling performances that breathe life into the chilling narrative of the mean one. David Howard Thornton, renowned for his portrayal of Art the Clown in the Terrifier films, takes on the mantle of the mean one in a performance that transcends the silent, mime-like terror of his previous iconic role. In the mean one, Thornton's interpretation of the Christmas-hating creature is a, it's a good portrayal of emotional nuance. Unlike the silent Art the Clown, the Mean One's character un undergoes a twisted evolution throughout the film. Uh, Thornton's physicality and facial expressions become crucial tools, enhancing the menacing pres uh, presence of the creature. His portrayal transforms the Mean One into more than just a Grinch. It becomes a nightmarish force fueled by palpable hatred for everything related with the Christmas season. Comparing Thornton's performances in the mean one and the Terrifier film highlights the actor's impressive range. While Arthur Clown relies on silence and relentless terror, the mean one allows Thornton to explore a little more spectrum, demonstrating his ability, demonstrating his adaptability to different horror personas. It's a testament to his skills as an actor who can seamlessly transition between the silent, expression, uh, expression-full types of characters, and he does get one, I'm not gonna call him vocal in this film, he does have one line of dialogue in the film, but he is not completely silent throughout this film. He, you, he, like I said, he has, other than the one line of dialogue, it's hard. He makes a lot of noises in this film. That's the best way I can fucking put it. Um, but I loved his performance in this film, and I look forward to seeing what more we see out of him in the future. Now turning our attention to Crystal Martin, who play, uh, steps into the role of Cindy uh, with an intensity reminiscent of Ronda Rousey, especially during the film's rigorous training sequence, which we'll touch on a little bit. Although Mark Martin may not have an extensive acting background, her rawness actually becomes an asset for her in this film, adding a layer of authenticity to Cindy's character. Um, the physical resemblance that she has to Rousey, coupled with Martin's experience as a double for the renowned, uh, renowned fighter in her films enhances the believability of Cindy's physical prowess. Like uh, literally the first time I saw this movie in theaters, I knew nothing about this actress, um, but there are scenes in this where I just got that sense of Ronda Rousey just by watching her on screen. Um, and Martin's background as Rousey's double contributes to the genuine physicality that she brings to Cindy's character, especially during the moments, like I said, when she's training and uh, her direct confrontation with the mean one. While Martin, like I said, may be considered green in the acting room, um, her portrayal captures the requisite intensity that I want from this character, transforming Cindy from a mere victim 
into a fucking determined force standing against the horrors that, of the holiday season. And she does a brilliant fucking job with it. In essence, Thornton and Martin's performances elevate the mean one beyond your typical B-flick fare. Um, their, dy their dynamic portrayals of their characters uh, contribute to the film's unique charm. Uh, like blending the frights with the festive chaos that keeps the audience engaged. Uh, and like I said, this, I'm gonna hold off on how this was received because this was released theatrically, like I mentioned. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about some of the other characters in the film. Chase Mullins takes on the role of Detective Burke, a character determined to believe and help Cindy in her quest against the main one. Mullins brings a commendable intensity to the role, portraying Burke as a dedicated officer with a genuine concern for the town's safety. His chemistry with Crystal Martin, uh, Cindy, uh, creates a believable but dynamic, anchoring the film in the investigative aspects of the holiday horror. Um, while not without flaws, Mullins' performance adds depth to this film, uh, driving the narrative forward. John Bingham's portrayal of Dr. Zeus <laughs> adds an enigmatic layer to the film, connecting the present-day horrors with the dark history. Uh, Bingham's performance reflects the pain and sorrow of a character haunted by the past and his interactions with Cindy, uh, providing crucial, crucial exp uh, exposition to this film. Um, Bingham's delivery brings an emotional weight to the story, unraveling the mysteries surrounding the mean one. His portrayal is a testament to the importance of supporting characters and enriching the overall narrative. Um, I, I fucking loved this character. Um, like through every time he's on screen, he's, he's chewing up scenery left and right. Just straight up fucking chewing up scenery all over the place and I, I fucking love it. Um, and like, he's constantly wanting to call the character the Grinch, and especially in one particular scene. Um, but obviously, How the Grinch Stole Christmas did not fare the same way that Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey did as this film was not in public domain. So they had to be very careful of what is said and they do it in hysterically funny fashion. I do recommend watching this movie just for that, um, but we'll touch more on recommendation in the final segment of this. Um, Amy Schumacher steps into the shoes of Mira McBean, and I fucking hate that name, but she's a character more concerned with her political agendas than the threat that the town is facing from the main one. Schumacher's performance captures the callousness of a politician blinded by ambition, if you will, adding a layer of social commentary to the film that I honestly was not expecting. While uh, Mayor McBean's actions may be infuriating, Schumacher's portrayal effectively conveys the character's self-serving nature, creating a figure audience's love to fucking hate and 
In a film like this, you need a character like that, and I think she pulls it off with spades. Flip Kobler, who also co-wrote this uh, screenplay, takes on the role of Lou, uh, contributing a self-awareness to the film. As a member of this cast, Kobler's performance adds to uh, the touch of humor, acknowledging the film's ridiculousness. Lou becomes a source of comic relief in the midst of the holiday horror, creating a dynamic that allows the audiences to embrace the ultra, ultra fucking campy elements that this film serves up on a platter. All that being said, not all performance hit the mark in this movie. Eric Baker's portrayal of Sheriff Hooper falls flat at times, lacking the gravitas needed for a character tasked with maintaining order in a town under siege. Baker's performance may come across as inconsistent, hindering the impact of certain pivotal moments in the film. While Sheriff Hooper is meant to be a pillar of authority, Baker's interpretation leaves much, much room for improvement. As we've dissected the performances in the main one, it's crucial to recognize the collaborative effort that brings a diverse range of characters to life. While some performances shine with intensity and purpose, others falter in delivering the necessary depth. Uh, it's this mix of strengths and weaknesses that contribute to a film's overall charm, if you will, creating an ensemble that mirrors, let's say, uh, like a sleepaway camp. There are some brilliant and fantastic performances in that movie, and there are some underwhelming ones. But the combination of those two mixed together, the end product I enjoy, and I think most audiences enjoy. In the realm of holiday horror, uh, Stephen Lamorte's uh, direction in the main one weaves a festive tale of terror that both captivates and hits at untapped potential. Um, Lamorte's his vision, while effective for this style of film's charm, leaves room for a little bit more refinement. Um, I think he could have gone a little bit more into that this Dr. Seuss world, the, the look of it. Um, that would have just put a little more uh, childhood nostalgia on it. Um, but I know they were trying not to be blatantly in your face and trying to put this in a modern modern setting. So I get that and I'm not going to give him too much uh, crap for that. His commitment to making a straight up low budget campy slasher and is evident throughout the film embracing, like I said, the practical effects, but the decision to rely on tangible hands-on effects. And this is loaded with blood, guts, and gore, especially in that bar sequence. Like somebody literally gets put through a fucking, <laughs> I will, best way I can call this an industrial disposal unit. Um, but just watch that. There's a sense that the film's visual impact, the pacing of the film reflects the director's skill in building tension. Um, each revelation about the main one's origins and the darker history of the town unfolds with uh, a deliberate rhythm, keeping audiences engaged uh, in the eerie-ish 
atmosphere. However, there are instances where the pacing could have been tightened, particularly in the middle act. Certain scenes linger a touch too long, diluting the impact of the suspense and slowing the, the momentum of the narrative. When you overdo the holiday pleasures, Alka Seltzer is a Yuletide treasure. Oh, what a relief it is. The integration of dark humor into the film is a commendable directorial choice, injecting moments of levity into the otherwise grim tale. Like I said, characters like Lou providing 100% self-awareness, uh, yet there's an opportunity to del delve even deeper into this facet, allowing the humor to really stand out and flourish without overshadowing the horror elements. A more nuanced balance between horror and terror could have added an extra layer of complexity to the film's tone. In essence, the direction of the main one successfully captures what I'm looking for in a holiday horror flick. Uh, there exists the potential for slightly refined execution in it, tightening the pacing, balancing horror and humor, Delving deeper into character arcs could elevate the film to even greater heights. Nonetheless, the film stands as a testament to Lamorte's ability to navigate the intricacies of the horror genre, leaving audiences both entertained and eager for more, in my opinion. In the dark realm of the mean one, a nod of congratulations is due for the co collaborative efforts that bring this holiday horror to life. From the editing room to the composer studio, each element contributes to the immersive experience, creating a twisted tapestry that leaves an indelible mark on its audience. First, congratulations are in order for the editing prowess displayed in the main one. Matthew Roscoe, the, film, the man that edited this film, cuts together scenes with a rhythmic precision that enhances the suspenseful atmosphere uh, the use of cuts and transitions contributes to the film's overall pacing, allowing tension to build. Um, like I said, somewhere in that middle, the pacing does waver a little bit, but it didn't really take me out of the film. Uh, despite these minor considerations in these scenes, Rosso's work largely contributes to the film's immersive quality. The musical landscape of the main one deserves its own round of applause. The film's composer, who identity I honestly could not find, uh, crafts a haunting score that complements the eerie atmosphere of Newville. The music is a character in itself, guiding the audience through moments of suspense, dread, and occasional dark humor. The score effectively punctuates the narrative beats, enhancing the emotional impact of key scenes. And just like the editing and the directing, there are opportunities for more diverse, for a more diverse sonic palette, exploring uh, 
different musical motifs that could have added layers to the film's total complexity. While the film's score is commendable, it, it's crucial to acknowledge the potential for even more nuanced integration of music to evoke specific emotions. I would like to have seen a little more integration of kind of like Violent Night into some of the more holiday classic songs with a dark take. Um, it just would have added more to the the feeling of the film, if you were. Um, despite this, the composer's work adds a haunting layer to the film, and I really enjoyed the score, and it created an auditory experience that lingers in my mind every time I watch the movie. And I will give a special mention to uh, Christopher Sheffield's cinematography, which blankets the main one in a chilling, wintry atmosphere. Sheffield's lens captures the snowy landscapes of Newville with an eerie beauty, providing a stark contrast to the gruesome events that are unfolding. Um, the juxtaposition of the serene winter, winterscapes against the backdrop of all the holiday horrors is masterfully executed, adding a surreal quality to the film. Sheffield's framing and visual choices contribute significantly to the immersive experience, enhancing the overall atmosphere of dread and suspense. The film's aesthetic appeal owes much to Sheffield's skill in capturing the haunting essence of the setting, as the cinematography literally puts a visual spell. It amplifies the film's narrative impact, making his contribution an integral part to the main one's success. Um, and it goes back to what I've always said, that you could have no budget on the film, no budget. But if you have somebody working that camera that knows what they're doing, it's like, if, put it in layman's terms, you don't have the best camera in the world. But if you have a good piece of glass on the end of that camera, you can make anything look good. And Sheffield makes this film look good. Now, let's take one final break and we'll come back to put a bow on this film, The Mean One. Silent night, evil night. Starring Olivia Hussey. Cure Delay. Saxon, if this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Silent Night, Evil Night, rated R. As we've just unwrapped the layers of this dark festive tale, it's time to reflect on the film's reception, my personal rating, and offer recommendations for those brave enough to venture into similar realms. Firstly, 
The film has garnered mixed reviews with a Rotten Tomato score of 17% from critics and a Metacritic score of 29. While some critics praised its subversive turn and the, fero uh, and the ferociously subversive performance from David Howard Thornton, others find it plotting and lacking in humor. As for my take, I give it a solid 7.5 out of 10. Um, the film's commitment, like I said, to its campy roots, practical effects, and the unique blend of horror and dark humor contribute to my rating of this film. However, like I said, the pacing, slight inconsistencies, and a few missteps and opportunities for refinement prevent me from giving it any higher a rank. Now, a word of caution. If you're an overly sensitive soul who cherishes the purity of childhood memories, steer clear of the mean one. This film is not your typical holiday fare. It's a dark, bloody, and at times gruesome take on a classic tale. If you're ready to embrace the chaos and buckle up, but proceed with caution. Um, for those who dare to explore similar holiday horrors, consider checking out uh, Black Christmas, which again, we reviewed last year on this very pod podcast. Um, or, and another one we reviewed last year on the podcast, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, those are, at least Silent Night, Deadly Night is a more straightforward classic slasher take on Christmas. If you're seeking more of Lamont's work, definitely check out the Terrifier Fire franchise. It promises a different flavor of horror without the clown as the central menace. Um, I will say, if you go that route, be prepared. It is ultra, ultra fucking violent. It does not shy away. Like there are scenes in this movie that push the envelopes, and they will test your bounds. Um, next week on the movie podcast, get ready for my review of Better Watch Out. Another holiday-themed horror that promises a twisted take on the season's festivities. Um, will it deliver chills and thrills similar to the main one, or will it carve its own unique path through the snowy landscapes of holiday horror? Tune in next week to find out about that one. As we wrap up this interview, remember, whether you find joy in the festive chaos or prefer a more traditional holiday cheer, there's a film out there for every taste in the vast landscape of cinema. All you have to do is go out and look for it and you will find it. Uh, again, last week I mentioned I'm hoping to get this back to more normal type setting. But honestly, deep down, I, I have a feeling that that's not going to happen. Um, I don't know. I will keep you posted as time goes on. Stay tuned next week for more holiday horror musings. And as always, till next time, kitties. Thank you for listening to this, the movie pit We hope you have enjoyed your time. Podcast each week for a new movie review podcast.
Expressed in this podcast are those of the individual host and may not reflect 